everybody, I'm Jason Klaus, and I want to give you kind of a brief rundown of what you can expect here on our family of shows under the Jackal Creations Podcast Network. It starts every Tuesday at midnight with our flagship show, the Klaus to the Heart Podcast, where we look at the brighter things of life, the silver lining, if you will. On Thursdays, I'm joined by Jim Burgett as we bring you Tea Time, our unique views and commentary on the world around us, sports, entertainment, and anything that comes across our radar. That's available on Thursdays beginning at 1 a.m. And then on Saturday mornings at midnight, we step into Wendy's World, where I am joined by Wendy McBride Washburn as she recounts some of the funniest moments and stories of her life. And they are some of the absolute best stories that I have ever heard. And then rounding out our family of podcasts here, the Turnbuckle Time Machine, where I'm joined by Pope Brandon Brownson, Rex Havoc, and Tim Williams as we look back on some of the biggest moments and events in professional wrestling history. You can check them out all on the Anchor.fm app or exclusively on Spotify. This episode of the Klaus to the Heart podcast has been rated M for mature audiences only. Some material and dialogue may not be suitable for members of the family under 18 years of age. I'm Jason Klaus. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a union worker. I'm a professional wrestler. I'm a promoter. This is my show, and on here we are going to tackle a number of different topics. Close to the Heart Podcast. We could be talking about sports, we could be talking about pop culture, we could be talking about professional wrestling, but above all else, we are going to talk about how we can go through life to make a positive difference for ourselves and for those in and around our lives. Welcome to the Close to the Heart Podcast. Welcome to my show. This is the Close to the Heart Podcast, powered by Anchor.fm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Close to the Heart Podcast, uh, the, the flagship show, as it were of the Tackle Creations Podcast Network powered by Anchor.fm. I'm Jason Klaus, and we're doing something a little bit a, a little bit out of the box for this episode. I have a special guest that is going to join me here this on on this installment here. And I I'm bringing her on because for anybody that's a long-time listener of this show, you know I am very much all about um, real-life, real-time emotions and things of this nature. Like, I want to know what makes people tick. I like to get a feel for, for, for different points of view from different personalities. Now, uh <clears throat> This week's episode is um, it's going to be a little raw. 
I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bullshit anybody. I mean, this is what the rated M was 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 made for here. Um, just because of the topic that we are going to tackle now, um, I you know we try to keep things a little bit light. We try to keep things motivational. We try to keep things. I uh, you know we try to focus more on the silver lining of life, right? I mean that's kind of what the whole brand was built around. But at the same time, I have to be a realist. And at the same time, I realize that there is a lot of things in the world around us that is not all sunshine and rainbows. And it's it's constantly in at the forefront. It's on it's in the headlines. It's online. It's on the news. It's you know, you, you cannot escape it if you engage generally in day-to-day -day operations you know you're talking with your co-workers with classmates with colleagues with friends th things of this nature um we are still very much in a pandemic era here the this new variant of covid um has really ruffled more than a few feathers especially for those individuals who you know our our experiences with covid and everything that goes with it is individualized you know somebody who who was sick or who was diagnosed with covid is going to have a different set of experiences and points of view than somebody like me who has not been infected, at least that I know of at this point. Um, so I don't have those kind of experiences. Now, d during from day one, when this thing really started to rear its ugly head and we started to see our lives altered in some way, shape, or form, whether it be mask mandates, whether it be um, shelter in places, things of this nature. Like no one in a million years saw any of this coming. I mean, this is like the storyline of a bad horror movie that just will not end. Uh, but here we are. We have this new variant, uh, the Delta variant, I guess. And, you know, by and large, the way it's been reported is this is considerably worse than the original strain of COVID. Now, joining me here this week on this episode is a professional in the medical field, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds with specifics, like uh, exactly where she's located, th things of this nature. Um, but she is going to provide I think a very unique point of view in terms of dealing with COVID, with this pandemic from a, a medical pr professional standpoint. Now, I know several people who are in the medical field in various branches of the medical field, doctors, um, ra radiologists, you know, things of this nature. Joining me here today is an RN, and this is an individual who has um, a lot of strong opinions 
on this whole coronavirus thing, this whole pandemic, how it's been handled, what what changes she has seen during the the course of the last year and a half from the way she did her job, what her job title was expected and all the duties and responsibilities then to what it is now. So please welcome my friend Brittany to the show. And uh, Brittany, I really appreciate you taking time um, out of your schedule. I, I, I know you've got a thousand things happening. Um, I know you work crazy hours. Uh, I also know, you know, you there's a family environment. You know, you got you, you you have kids, you're a mom, you have all these roles and responsibilities and things of this nature. So I wanted to say, first of all, how much I appreciate you for 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 being here on on this episode of the podcast. Uh, absolutely. I'm clocked in right now, so I'm getting paid for this. Well, fabulous. I'm glad w- one of us is. So, um, <laughs> I just look, I, that I wasn't made aware before right now that I require an M for mature warning, but okay. Good to well, know. Well, I, I think, <laughs> listen, <laughs> I try to be upfront with the, you know, with everybody, you know, with the listeners, <laughs> with, you know, who, whoever I'm, I'm dealing with at, at the time. So listen, you and I have talked off the air, you know, I, I, I know, um, you know, you're, when you get fired up about something, um, the content of the dialogue becomes very much adult oriented. That's all I was saying. It was certainly wasn't a, a knock or a slam or anything like that. No, I take it as a compliment. Okay, great. Great. The kids are bad, guys, if you're going to listen to this one. Well, right. Uh, this is not one that you want that you want to listen to in the car while you're on your way to church or something like that. <laughs> I, I would imagine. <laughs> okay. Brittany, you are an RN and you are located in the state of Michigan. And the state of Michigan has been one one of the spotlight states. During the course of this pandemic, a lot of national attention was focused on our state, on our governor, and how she was going to respond to this this very serious public threat. At least, at you know, as the way it was reported. I mean, every day, thousands upon thousands of people were being infected. Um, so. A chunk of those wound up, you know, unfortunately passing away. Um, you know, like I said, I have not been infected. I don't know. No, nobody in my immediate family has gotten COVID. So I, I, I don't have a whole lot of first, uh, first narrative experience with this first person experience, I guess I should say. Um, so as a nurse now, how, I guess I should back up a little bit. How long have you been in in this industry? I mean, I've been in healthcare since I was 18. Um, right off the bat, like my second job was in healthcare. I've been an RN for going on 10 years. Okay. So I would imagine during the course of, of, of those 10 years, you have you have seen some shit in your day you know i i i would imagine 
um, kind of take me through a little bit. I mean, you you said your your second job was in in the medical field. Am I to assume that it wasn't as a nurse? Because you know, I I'm I'm an idiot when when it comes to things like this because like I know there's a lot of time education wise to get the title of RN. So I mean, what was your first endeavor in in the medical field? Um, my very first job, I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it, but I ended up taking care of um, this man. He needed care, but you didn't have to be licensed as a nurse. You just had to be like, like an aide or I don't even know what the title was. Um, but I was in school for nursing. I had a little bit of knowledge. It was obviously the very beginning, like of my education, but, uh, he was paralyzed by a gunshot from the neck down when he was 19. Um, and you know, actually you should meet him still actually someone that is one of my very good friends, the most, maybe the second most positive, insightful, happy people I've ever met. Um, so there was that and got through school, landed my dream job in delivering babies for my very first job um, once I was licensed and fucking hated it. <laughs> really? Yes. Hated it so much. So then I came to this very nice looking, very Catholic organization um and that's where i've been for 10 years but i've been all over this place i've done a lot of shit seen a lot of shit done a lot of shit cleaned up a lot of shit just shit everywhere okay um so eloquently put i might add (laughs) fantastic um okay so let's take let's go back to the beginning, very beginning of 2020, and um, you know you are very well established at this point as an RN. Um, you said you were you've been all over the building doing all kinds of various things here. Um, when when does COVID 19 start to you know become a thing on your radar? Okay, so cute story. Um, March of 2020. Prior to that, hired in October 2012. I was afloat. I went everywhere. I took care of all the sick people, all the horrifying things, dying people, mentally ill people, all the things, all the bad things. And finally, I had enough seniority in... February of 2020, I took a job in the OR. One of my best friends was there. Um, one of the best nurses I know, one of the person, people, not persons, that knows me the best. She said I'd love it. So took the position, started March 7th, 2020. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, which I'm, I'm not positive if that is the week everything shut here or I, I believe it was the next week. So 
this is a six to eight months long orientation. I'm one week in and the kids don't have school. Like Monday morning, get up to go to work. Okay, the kids don't have school, people are sick. You know, every, the governor's saying everyone stay home for a week or a couple of days or whatever the fuck. Right. I show up at work and there's no patients in the OR. <laughs> Nobody is getting surgery unless it's emergent because everyone's staying away from the hospital. So people that have scheduled, you know, anything besides emergencies, joint replacements, anything, anywhere near elective is gone. So my opportunity to learn the OR is gone and suddenly there's no need for OR nurses anymore. We we need ICU nurses. They're sick people. They're, we know nothing about this, this virus. All we know is we don't need you guys in the OR. Go take care of these dying people on ventilators that we know nothing about. We don't know how to fix it. We don't know. We don't know anything. So what kind of, I mean, man, you know, you're, you're coming from an environment to where, okay, you're, you're landing your dream job. You, you're now an OR nurse. You're there for a cup of coffee. And then all of a sudden we don't need you anymore. So now we're going to transfer you over to ICU when you are expected to take care of people that you don't know what you're supposed to do with them. Um, I I can't imagine. I mean, right out of the gate, especially for you, as you, as you're you know in the very beginning stages of this new chapter in your career, you're kind of, from the way it sounds, you know, you're kind of being thrown to the wolves because you you. You don't know what you're supposed to do. You know you're supposed to help people, but you, you're you not really sure what the fuck you're supposed to be doing. So what kind of of, of mental toll do, does that take on you? And how soon into this thing where you, where you were already starting to feel that mental exhaustion, that mental breakdown that a lot of doctors and nurses have described in the subsequent days, weeks, months, and now here we are a year plus into this thing. You know, I feel like actually I'm just now starting to be wore down mentally by this. Um, at first, no one knew what the fuck was going on. So we were all just kind of clueless together and like doing what we got to do, like, like save the people. Um, keep them breathing, keep them alive. And that's all anyone knew. Now we know more. And there's all these extra oh, things and masks, vaccinations, all of that. Um, just now it's starting to wear on me mentally. In the very beginning, in March of 2020, when they turned us all into ICU nurses with a two hour crash course on how to be an ICU nurse. Um, I was like, fuck this, Mike, I have five kids and they don't have school and they don't have anywhere to go at the time. Um, you know, Chris works with you. You guys were still working. I didn't have anywhere to 
put my kids, I took a leave of absence for two months. Um, simply because I didn't have childcare. Okay. It wasn't I was scared of the virus or any of that shit. I mean, I was kind of like, what the fuck is, is this? Um, this is going to like wipe out half the population or whatever. But mostly I was just focused on like taking care of my kids. I don't have anywhere to send them. Uh, school isn't happening. So I was gone for two months and I came back. It was still a shit show. Still nobody really knew what was going on. Still the morgue was full. There was, you know, nowhere to even send dead bodies. There, there was just too many dead people. And I still don't feel like it was really affecting me mentally. Um, like I said, I worked with you know, in hospice here and in the dying people. And I was kind of immune to it. Um, now it's wearing on me, though. It's not going away. And I, that's one of the reasons why um, I wanted you on the show. Because, like, you you and I are Facebook friends. Um you know, and yeah, I I work with Chris and, and anybody that, you know, if you've paid attention to the YouTube channel, um, he has been a previous guest on on the, on the YouTube show. But um, I started seeing some of your posts that you were putting on on social media and, you know, a couple of them like I I found myself chuckling about I was like, oh, that's. You know, it's a little bit raw, but you know, there's a sense of humor to it. I can, I can get it. But there were a couple where I was like, "Whoa, this, this is a stark contrast to some to the majority of the other the other stuff that you would put on there." And I reached out to you, and I'm just like, "I would love to get your take on this because I feel like you have an interesting point of view with this because you are, I mean, you've seen it from." Virtually the beginning up until now, um, the the debate with the vaccine, you know, you could go anywhere in any kind of of, of communication platform, whether it be the news, the radio, um, social media, especially everybody has an opinion. Um, everybody, not everybody, but uh, there's a good portion of those people that will go to great lengths to make sure that their opinion is heard. You know, good, good, bad, or or in, indifferent. Um, but I just felt like it was it was important to get your point of view because I know that there is a lot of people that share the same points of view that you may do. Um, because it looked like for a minute there that we were finally starting to see the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. Like, okay, we are getting back to somewhat normal. Um, people are getting the ones that, that were comfortable with it. And, and I guess some that, that weren't, but they did it anyway. You know, they rolled their sleeves up. They got these shots. I was one of them. Full disclosure. Uh, because, I mean, in my mind... And, and this is just the way I looked at it. If this is what's going to take us to get to a point to where we could start resuming some sort of normalcy or something as close to it as, as we're going to get at this point post a pandemic, um, I, I was willing to 
to to you know walk down that road. Now, so far, I haven't sprouted a third eye, a second head, or anything like that. I feel pretty good. So, I mean, I haven't had any kind of lasting effects on it. I mean, that's not to say something not won't happen ten years down the road, but I guess I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Uh, but, fucking problem jason people with that mindset and i just had to say fuck because i haven't said it for a really long time and i had to live up to the for mature <laughs> people like you and and i i have this discussion every day i'm i'm working everything about my job revolves around someone's covid status or, or vaccination status and i'm finding that most people don't really fucking know. They they have not done their research. They have not been fully educated on what this vaccine means. They just want this shit to be over. Right. And so do I. I mean, um, but it's my it's first of all my nature to be educated on anything that's going into my body as I sit here puffing on a vape that I have no idea what it contains. Um, Battle. I've seen the the TV ads. See, I haven't. So I, I probably need to get educated on this, but right now... I'm watch, mo- watch Monday Night Raw. That, you know, it pops up there like every other half hour. But go ahead. I, I, I digress. <laughs> I will for sure tune in on Monday. Um, what I'm saying is that is the general idea. Now there's some people I, I, my current position here in the hospital is getting patients ready for surgery and recovering them when they're done having surgery, um, mostly cardiac related and, um, joints. So I work with anesthesiologists and fucking cardiac surgeons. I mean, some of the smartest, most researched people available. And for the most part, they're like, I don't know. I don't know. I just want it to be over. We should all just get it so this can be over. And that's my fucking problem. Why are we... why don't we care what's the long-term effects of this shit is? Why, why is everyone so complacent and just doing what they, what they say we should do for now? I mean, fuck, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I don't know, I'd be able to be smoking a cigarette in this hospital right now. They would be able to take a cigarette break in the OR while they're doing surgery. We found out that wasn't good. Right. Can't smoke here inside the hospital or anywhere on the premises, actually. So why is everyone just so ready to be taking this vaccine that's not researched, not FDA approved? Why do we even have an FDA at this point? That's my problem. Completely in general is my problem with COVID and life in general. Okay. So, and I'm certainly, I'm, I'm not, 
I'm not trying to say anything disparaging against your point of view because you make very good points, very good points. Um, how much of the media frenzy around the coverage of coronavirus um, plays a hand in this, right? Because, I mean, for ever, it seemed like, like you couldn't get regular news. It was just total pandemic updates and things of this nature, especially with like your cable news channels, you know, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, all, all of this. Um, you know, it was hammered to us from various media platforms. If we don't do something, we're going to lose 35% of our population in this country. If we don't do this, this is what's going to happen. And then they started um, looking at what other nations were doing. Like New Zealand was was constantly like the measuring stick because New Zealand when they started getting a you know a real uh, wave of infections, you I mean they shut everything down, everything for like a two week period. Nobody went anywhere unless what they deemed were essential and what their essential employees and jobs were were a stark contrast to what we had here. So everybody looked at 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 New Zealand and then Australia and then uh, uh, it, 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 it escapes me at this point, but there was another big one where, you know, everybody, yes, thank you. Thank you. Yep. So, you know, you, when you form a hysteria like that, doom and gloom, we're all going to die. It's everything that, that we see in the movies and, and things of this nature, um, you know, fear, has to be a contributor to this and then the longer this thing goes the more frustrated people have become because they want to resume that normalcy now for the longest time and i know you're aware you know you couldn't go hardly anywhere you couldn't go to any sporting events you couldn't go to a movie theater you couldn't go to a gym you couldn't go inside a restaurant for the longest time and you know after a while it starts to take an economic hit right so now you have all of these economic experts that are coming on tv and be like we need to get back to work or the whole fucking country is going down and with the quickness like faster than the titanic like, we're in trouble here. We need to get back to work. So when you're comparing and, you, and you're adding all this stuff to it on a very public platform, I would imagine, by and large, it starts to alter the way people think, the way they, they view this thing, the, you know, how they're going to handle it, what their approach is going to be. But for you, like somebody that's on the quote-unquote front lines, I mean, you're seeing what what covid can and is in a lot of cases now i know you know people who feel like this thing has just been a hoax from day one it's just a big super flu and it's kind of like the natural selection you know every now and again nature takes over and is going to rid itself of what what whatever the case here in this in this case 
you know, there was a strong contingent of people that went by the only the strong will survive this thing, right? Um, as an RN, as somebody who has seen the effects of this thing, you've seen people die, you've, you know, you've been very much in the middle of this very mucky mess. Would you say that, I mean, in, in your estimation, would you say that COVID is just a blown up flu? Is it just a hoax or is there something very real to this? This is where I get fired up because okay. this is where it turns political. Um, fear mongering is very fucking much a part of this. And I don't know why I don't have all the answers. I'm not, you know, the FBI, but I should be pretty fucking good at figuring shit out. But um, is COVID real? Yeah. Are people dying from it? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that it's a, a made up virus. I, of course it exists. Um, but that was the narrative for a while from a, a faction of people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Um, and as much as I love conspiracy theories, can't we can't really? There's no like evidence-based practice to say, "Hey, this is all a hoax. It doesn't even exist." No, it's real. It's here. It's, it, people are dying. Um, but you said super flu, and the the flu has been around and and killing people for I don't fucking know a hundred years or more um and I have you know I've experienced flu season and I've seen healthy 40 something people come in think they have pneumonia they end up dying from the flu way before COVID was a thing people that got their flu vaccine and it didn't happen to cover the right strain of the flu that was infecting people that year. Um, so now with like this Delta shit coming out, it it does kind of feel like a super flu, yeah. Like there's just gonna be different strains every season. It seems to fall back a little bit in the summer months, like the flu. Um, I think September to April is what we consider flu season, and that seems to be COVID season now, where shit starts climbing, you know, back up. But yeah, the fear, the the constant coverage, they're like the not being able to escape it. I mean, for me, I, I go to work and that's all people are talking about. I go home, I don't allow the news on in my home. And that's a whole other story about politics, but the fear mongering for sure is playing a role in why people are so complacent, why the most educated people you could possibly be around, cardiothoracic surgeons, anesthesiologists that have done this for 40 fucking years are just saying, we're scared, we want it to go away, inject me with that, whatever the fuck is in that. Okay. I know people that will watch CNN all fucking day 
and and this has wrecked their wrecked them mentally it's all it's all they can think about all they hear about so of course if cnn suggests that you get this then it's going to save your life they're lining up to do it without any real education about it at all and that's my issue well you you've handled this a lot better than I thought you would. Cause when you said I'm about to get fired up, I like, I scooted my seat back. Cause I was like, Oh, here we go. Because <laughs> I didn't talk about politics because I mean, well, this is a rabbit hole. I don't feel like we have enough time. I've, I've listened to your podcast. They mostly last about an hour. I could go on and on about the political side of it and their agenda. And, um, it's all tied in together. So, I mean, we'll have to do a part two if we're going to talk about politics. Or, or, you know, we could just start your own show. I mean, that that's a possibility too. Just saying, just throwing that out there, you know, as the promoter side of me, I'm like, this is captivating shit. And this is what is going to resonate with people. Um, so when you're having these types of conversations with, patients and things of this nature i mean how i know the vaccine along with covid and all that but especially right now with the vaccine being such a hot topic i mean do how does that affect does it affect i guess the way you your your patients look at you the way you're treated i mean i I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that you don't really talk about whether or not you've gotten the vaccine, but if somebody asks you about it, what do you tell them? This is fun. <laughs> Actually, okay, so I told you the the role of my job now. I'm getting people ready for surgery. The very first thing I have to ask them after they have signed their consent forms is if they've been vaccinated. And every fucking single person that I ask in my role as a nurse and their role as a patient feel that it's acceptable to ask my vaccination status. So at first I told them, um, I quickly learned to say, we've been advised not to talk about our status. Our, our medical history with patients. We only have two hours here. Right. So let's move along. Um, but I found <laughs> that there are only two types of people. The people that want you to say, yes, you've had the vaccine. Everyone needs to get it. All of that. And the people that want to tell you why they haven't got it, why you shouldn't get it, why you shouldn't give it to your kids. And... And that's all they want to talk about. Um, I have been refused as as a caretaker um, by patients after I told them I wasn't vaccinated. No explanation, just me saying simply no. We don't need to get into why. They don't want me taking care of them, and that's fine. Um, but I don't discuss it anymore. It's really not their business in this situation and uh it very much affects 
whatever side they're on, your answer to that question, did you get your vaccine, very much affects how how they look at you, if they feel safe with you, regardless. If they're one of the people that are staunchly against it, they don't they don't want someone that's vaccinated to take care of them. They think this person's a sheep and they don't know what they're doing and they might not be safe. And the other side feels the same way. That was going to be my next question. Those those who are those patients who are not vaccinated, and you know if they're dealing with a healthcare professional that is vaccinated, are they going to go that route to where I don't want this this individual anywhere near me because they have been in fact vaccinated? So you answered you answered my my question my follow-up question there so i was it i it's man so in in a sense Brittany, it's almost like you are in a no-win situation for the majority of your day you you know you're going to run the risk of pissing somebody off right oh absolutely that's why i had to come up with a nice way to say it's not your fucking business Once I realized it didn't take me long, once I realized there was no winning either way, um, and there was also no way to, like, end the conversation, keep it short and sweet, everybody has their feelings and they want to tell everyone about it, even for lack of better terms, the boomers that are not on social media and they don't have any other way to get it out except when they come to the hospital, they want to talk about it. I had to come up with a nice way. It took me a couple of tries to say, we're not, we're not going there. We've, we've been advised not to talk about it with patients, which isn't true, but. So let me ask you this. Um, the pandemic as a whole and everything that you have dealt with from day one. I mean, you were thrown right right into this thing right at the very beginning of it. At any point in this last year and a half or so, have you questioned your career path? I mean, what, what I mean by that is, has there ever been a day where, where you've gone home or a succession of days and you just felt like, I don't think I want to do this shit an- anymore? <laughs> Every fucking day since nursing school. <laughs> no, come on, seriously. You, 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 you went to nursing school because I believe, you know, I gotta believe you wanted to be a nurse, yes? Or was it just you knew you needed to do something and this is what I'm gonna do? I mean, did you have a legitimate interest in it before you got into it? Or did, did the opportunity just present itself and you're like, well, fuck it, I'll do it. I need to do something and I, and I need... I need to have a good job. I need to make good money. I, I you know, I got to take care of myself, of my family, this, that, and, or the other thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm one of the people that started out with like a true passion for, you know, cleaning up shit every two hours or I don't have to do that anymore. Thank God. But uh, no, I, you know, I had a baby when I was 17, um, got through high school, graduated early because she was born in February. And by June, I'm like, hey, I got to do something quick, you know, get, I don't have time to go to school for like 
four to eight years. I got to get through school. I got to be able to have a good job. I'm hearing all this shit about nursing shortages. So fuck it. I guess I'm doing that. Now, 10 years later, I, I am a little passionate about it. Um, I don't like, I can't take the nurse out of me now. It's all I know how to do. But as far as questioning, if I want to keep doing this, like for real, if I want to get out of the field altogether, I remember hearing in my last semester of nursing school that there were like 20% of licensed nurses not practicing in the field at all. And I couldn't grasp that in the slightest. Why would someone go through all of this and then not work as a nurse? And they didn't even have to go through a pandemic. I fucking get it now. And there's a lot of us that feel this way. Like your colleagues, you mean? Yeah. I mean, along the way, I have, for some reason or another, whether I met them at work or in school or we went through school together, you know, out of high school, most of my closest friends are nurses. And we're sick of this shit. I can't. Like, I get it. I Well, I don't. I mean, not through your eyes. I can understand being sick of it. And I can, I can uh, have a pretty good understanding on the overall toll that something like this is going to take on you, right? Um, mentally, physically, emotionally. You know, you said earlier during the program here that, you know, you... And I'm paraphrasing, I'm not, you know, word for word here, obviously, but you've gotten used to seeing people die. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not a lot of people say that, you you know. Um, Your world. What's that? In your world, not a lot of people say that. Well, right, right. But you got to, you know, you have to agree with the fact that a, you know, nursing or any kind of medical field that is a unique dynamic unto itself. Like for me, I am an auto worker. What we do at, you know, in the assembly plant, you know, we are, we have our own way of doing things. We, you know, we have our own little culture, I guess, for the lack of a better term. And I would imagine that's very much the same thing in, in the medical field. So, you know, for me as an auto worker, like I've seen dead people, I've seen people die. Um, <laughs> Get used to seeing people die at work. Something's fucked up. Well, right, but I mean, I'm talking about generally speaking. You know, I, I, like, I watched my mom take her last breath. You know what I mean? And I remember, I can still close my eyes and vividly recall all of my surroundings, my feelings, the look on her face, like intimate, stupid details. Like when something catastrophic like like that happens in my life, and I don't know, it's not a conscious effort, but like my brain takes these snapshots of the event as it's unfolding and then the aftermath and they're in, they're, uh, branded into my brain 
Mm-hmm. Like I'll never get rid of that. And I know what those kind of feelings are. So I can't fundamentally relate on that level with somebody that is quote unquote used to seeing people die. Like, I just don't know how, you know, how, what goes into the process to where you just become desensitized to it, I guess, for the lack of a better term. But for you, you know, after going through all, all of, all of the, all of the nursing school and, you know, all of your experiences leading up to, and in the midst of a pandemic for you to say, you know, you know, every fucking day, I think about, you know, I don't know if I really want to do this shit no more. That's a pretty damning tale. And that, you know, that pretty much sums up, you know, bottom lines, I guess, for lack of a better term, what kind of toll that this has ultimately taken on you, whether you realize it or not. And that's just from an outsider looking in, You, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I, but I think what you just said, um, about those snapshots in your head and, and how that moment that you watched your mom die, all these details and, and things that probably shouldn't even matter are in your brain forever. Um, that's important. Like, yeah, I'm desensitized to it, but the general population is not. Um, and you know, from a lot of my post mental health is what I am concerned about. Um, as far as myself, the people I love, my kids, um, and the world in general, like if everyone's fucked up in the head and traumatized and all of that, then it's, it's not going to be any good for anybody. So, so yeah, that's, that's a huge part of why I don't want to fucking do this anymore. Why I'm talking to doctors who have done this forever. You know, I mean, they don't want to do it anymore. Like we see the toll it's taking not only on us, but the general population as far as mental health goes. And I'll tell you that COVID has affected mental health a a hundred thousand times more than it's a than people have died, than it's affected physical well-being. I mean, in one way or another, it's affected everybody's mental health. My two-year-old thinks that it's normal not to see faces. He asks for a mask when we go in the store. Like, there's, there's, there's going to be some sort of developmental issue that he has not, he has gotten used to not seeing expression in people's faces that's normal for him so from babies all the way up it's affecting mental health for everybody healthcare or not that is a very interesting point and one that i didn't even take into consideration is um you know younger kids my my youngest just turned eight years old here a couple weeks ago and, um, you know, so she, you know, she's quite a bit older than, than your young one is, but, you know, like you said, you know, she's gotten used to always having the mask on and this and that and the other thing. And she was the one that we were concerned about 
wearing a mask because before schools got shut down and when they were were able to go back like our our kids were on a blended schedule where they went to school like two days during the week and then the the other three were virtual uh, we were concerned that she would be the one that wouldn't keep the mask on when it was you know mandated at that point but to her credit uh she you know that it, it was never an issue like she just accepted that that's the way it's supposed to be and anybody that knows my daughter knows how headstrong she is so for that to become a thing on that level is a pretty significant tale as to the mental um, toll for the lack of a better term that it, that it is taking especially on these young kids babies your two-year-olds th things of this nature yeah i mean i have an eight-year-old as well and as far as headstrong goes she's gonna have me beat by the time she's 10 um my goodness <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> um but eight on and uh, I mean, they were what six and a half or seven when all this started. On a developmental level, eight-year-olds are still pretty pliable as far as what's normal and what's not. So they're learning that this is their normal world. And also, I have a story. They're scared. They have to scare them in school because, like you said, are are these kids? Want keep this thing in their face all day they're terrified just in their environment in school because that's become the narrative everywhere you have to wear this thing or you're going to get sick and die I remember it was Heidi's birthday so February of 21 was like the first time we went out to eat in fuck ever like a year I think and my eight-year-old would not take her mask off I mean, we're out to eat. You can't eat with a mask on. She didn't eat. And we're at Sagano's. Everyone loves Sagano's. Oh, you know? you're kidding. That's one of my favorite places. Hers, too. Everybody, everybody's. She was doing okay. And then she saw the, the cook come out and he had a mask on. She put hers right back up and didn't take it off the rest of the day until we got in the car. My goodness. So... Even, like I said, little kids, elementary age kids, like our headstrong eight-year-olds that have now become brainwashed, I feel. Teenagers are maybe the most affected mentally. They want to be with their friends. They want to do their normal friend shit. They don't even care about us. They just want to be with their friends. They can't. They want to play their sports. They can't. They, all the way up to, you know, older people. Um, one that's very close to me, actually, you know, she's in her 60s. She's fucking terrified. She won't leave her house. She hasn't seen her grandson grow up um, for the last two years because she's too scared of getting COVID. Like, Every age group is affected by this mentally. And healthcare or not, I think, honestly, doctors and nurses are uh, 
the least mentally affected by this. I'm, I, we're worried about all of you guys. We have right. to live in this world with you. Yeah, true story. That's man, you you've brought out a lot of of interesting points that I just never have taken into consideration. And that's you know, and that's another one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on here. And um man, oh man, now you know, now that you've kind of laid different aspects of it out, you know, it's got me you know, it's got me thinking about it, the mental toll, especially on, on my kids. And, uh, you know, as, as a parent, and I'm sure you will agree with me, um, you know, ultimately we want the best, the absolute best for our kids and, and to provide them with as close to a perfect existence as we possibly can for them, you know, but at the same time, we need, we also need to teach them that the world's not perfect and, and seemingly with every passing day it gets a little crazier a little crazier a little crazier um and i i you know what's the balance here you know then and i think that's where a lot of the frustration comes into play you know because we want to get back to the sports we want to get back to going out to eat we want to get back to um just being in the same room with people people that we care about our friends our family think you know like, like you said you know you know a woman who hasn't or you know an, an individual who hadn't seen their grandkid in the, in in the last 2 years because for fear of getting this virus so it's you know what is the ideal s- solution here you know, and and I know when you ask that kind of question, you're going to get different answers, all depending on where you get your news source. Um, I would imagine, in some regards, who you voted for, uh, what name did you put on? Did you check on the slip before you put it in the ballot box? Uh, that's where the political aspect comes into play. Um, and we certainly, you know, don't want to, you know, have you all fired up right out of the gate here. We want to, you know, save that in case we need, you know, a part two, right? We. <laughs> I will need my own show if we get into that. Okay. Look, <laughs> I, I know a guy and uh, we, we can probably make that happen for you. Just, just saying. So, something to think about. I'll have to ask that guy's audience. Well, I, uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll, there'll be feedback. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me either. Anyway, um, you know, we're coming up to about an hour here on, on this. Oh, uh, shit. I really just talked for an hour. Uh, yeah, it goes by fast. Berg, you better start printing some shirts. I'm going to need my own show. <laughs> well, we can make that happen for sure. But uh, as as we put a bow on this particular episode, is is there anything that you would like to just kind of, I don't know, hit off your chest, put out there something for people to think about or are you just done? I guess I can close with. You know, you, you started talking about whose name you checked uh, on the ballot and all that. And um, the 
the part that I'm fired up about and I, we didn't really touch on it. So that's why I've only said fuck like three times in this whole hour. That's not true. It's been more than that, but we're, I'm not keeping count. No, I'm pretty sure it's three. Okay. Anyway. I disagree, but go ahead. <laughs> the part that I'm fired up about is anything being mandated and our free will and our rights as parents, as humans in general, being taken away. Um, and that's a whole other show. So I, I guess we have, you know, next week's episode laid out for us. To be continued, as they say. Yep. Okay. Because as you approach that particular rabbit hole, I, all of a sudden I started thinking, okay, we can touch on this. We can talk about that. We, there's, you know, there's a, there's, there's a, so many things. Yeah. A lot of meat on, on the bone, as they say, or as I say, but listen, Brittany, I, this has been awesome and it exceeded and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be cute. This exceeded all my expectations. Like I, I had a, I usually come into to new projects and things of this nature with a, a, a degree of expectations and whether or not I deem it a success or, or not, you know, it all depends on where the overall experience falls under in terms of that imaginary line. This, this conversation, uh, I mean, so far exceeded my expectations that, you know, I certainly am very much interested in bringing you back. Um, and if this is something that, you know, you're comfortable with and you want to do and you have something of an interest in, then this, I don't see why this couldn't be um, another branch of our podcast network here. So something to think about, but. Um, as as we wind this this week down, let me just say number one, um, you know, for for me as just like a common nobody, and you as a real life, you know, hero, su- superhero, for the you're la- like a celebrity. But anyway, that's not true. That's not true at all. Um, I'm just here pushing buttons and talking into a fu- a funny looking headset. Um, but in all in all seriousness, the words, you know, thank you for what you do, for your patience, for your colleagues, for, you know, just being where you are in terms of this pandemic and all the craziness that goes along with it. Just, you know, thank you for everything that you do. And I'm sure you hear it all the time, but um you know, from an outsider looking in, you know, I very much appreciate you, your colleagues, your, you know, everybody in, in the medical field that has been at the, been on the front lines of this thing, you know, and, um, you know, it's, I would imagine that anybody that went into this field would never in a million years imagine that they would be forced to be on the opposing side of a global a, a global pandemic. So I have all the respect in the world for you. And I uh, I certainly appreciate you and everything that that you do. So thank you. Um, 
<clears throat> for everybody else, we certainly appreciate you tuning in this week. And uh, you can find all of our latest news and information on our website, net. And uh, there you will see the link to the email account. If you have any kind of feedback, good, bad, or, or indifferent, we certainly encourage any and all feedback. And, um, and I, I have a feeling that this will, will, um, this will be a hot topic thing that, that people are going to write in about. So if that is the case, then we will bring, bring Brittany back on. We will go through some of the emails and, and, and let her have a chance to address them. Does that, does that sound like a plan to you? Ooh, I can't wait to hear what people have to say. <laughs> I hope they know they won't hurt my feelings if they're they got something to say. And um, thank you for dragging me, kicking and screaming, and like a little defiant toddler into doing this. I had fun, and I knew you would. <laughs> All right, everybody else, we appreciate you tuning in this week. We will see you. Right back here next week with a brand new episode of the Klaus to the Heart podcast powered by Anchor.fm.